Welcome to the Tech Role Models podcast. I'm Eliana and in this episode I am joined with Emily Giles, Marketing Manager, and Tori Adams, Operations Manager, who both work for Bamboo Tech. So how did you both find your way to Bamboo Tech? I've been at Bamboo for about six years this year. So I did event management at university. I came to the end of uni and wasn't really sure if I wanted to go into the event sector after all that. Um, but through through the course, we did marketing. Points that we touched on, I was like, oh, okay, that could be interesting. So I did a few internships when I left uni, one of them being at Bamboo, but we were called Total at the time. So I did a three-month internship at Total. And after that, they offered me a full-time position in their marketing team. And I've been here ever since. That sounds really interesting. Tori, how about you? Uh, similar to Emily in that I, I went to university. I studied psychology at university and I always knew that I wanted to take it into a sort of corporate business environment. Um, I knew that being a clinical psychologist was not the route I wanted to take. Definitely didn't envisage myself in the tech industry at all. After a couple of different various jobs, I did the classic finished university and worked in recruitment for six months and then found my way very much to a different. I fell into a customer relationship manager role within a smaller tech company before I joined Bamboo and I was with that job for about 18 months and really started to understand the industry and was actually quite excited by it. So found myself that sort of typical, I thought, well, I can't possibly work in the tech industry if I don't want to be a techie, but found myself fulfilling a role that I enjoyed and I enjoyed the products and the services that the the company was providing. So I then met Lauren, who is Bamboo's CEO at a City Fibre event, which Bamboo were hosting. And we had a couple of conversations and then the rest is history. So I've worked worked at Bamboo since August last year and yeah I found myself here I'm now working as an operations manager and I, I don't think I'm going to look back. I think there's like a running joke within the industry that no one outside of like the typical tech like software team ever intended to end up in the tech industry it's it's just sort of by chance like you don't think oh I'm going to go and work for a tech company Lauren says exactly the same she's just like we all ended up the journey we've gone on yeah definitely I think there's a piece you know as we've sort of previously spoken about that especially for women within the tech industry and women within tech is that there is such a wider space for roles that I think when you are maybe at your age Eliana that you just don't actually have an understanding of what's out there I know that when I was your age even when I was at university if someone had said to me you know what is it that you want to do which industry do you want to be in I immediately think of well if I'm going to be in a you know in events I've got to be the events organizer if I'm going to be in the music industry I've got to be the singer if I'm going to you know if I'm going to be in the tech industry I have to be a techie and actually there are so many other roles that make a business run. What I've then learned sort of post-university is that every business has those roles that absolutely necessary for a business to run. And, you know, whether that's a role like mine, operations management, you know, that is just continually making sure that things are ticking over, as well as Emily's, you know, every company normally does need some kind of marketing. And so actually the industry is kind of neither here nor there but it's then really exciting to be able to look at the tech industry and how it's growing and how it's the future and you can get yourself involved in any which department that you have a passion for. That's a really interesting way of thinking about it. So how do you feel that Bamboo Tech's focus on improving and creating tech solutions has improved your quality and techniques of work as an individual? 
I think from a, a focus of, you know, Bamboo wanting to continually improve and be creative with solutions, it, it then pushes you as an individual and an employee to think creatively and continually adapt to an environment and a space that is just moving at such pace. And so I think of all industries to work in, you need to have an adaptive mind. You are continually, as, a, as, a, as an engineer or a tech would say, troubleshooting, you are continually problem solving. And actually it pushes you and forces you to look outward and have an understanding of what everyone else is doing within that space. And I think that's actually quite exciting and a, a very exciting environment and industry to work in because those natural sort of problem solving, that ability to have a focus on the work at hand, but have an understanding of your wider environment and what your sort of colleagues as well as peers are, are working on is something that I enjoy I enjoy being pushed and I enjoy having that environment to sort of say, okay, what's what's the next opportunity? What's the next thing we could do? And I think as a company, to come back to the question, actually, we have to continually adapt to what's our value add? What do we bring that another technology company doesn't? For my role, I'm continually looking at that customer service and that customer journey. And we have to continually concentrate on what can we bring that another technology company can't or what do we add that they don't? And so you can't just sort of sit back for even six months and say, well, that's our business and that's what we do and we're great at it because we are great at what we do. But this environment and this industry is just moving at such a fast pace. So it's an interesting environment to be in, but definitely just continuing, you know, every day is a school day. I'm still learning and reading, which actually as a bit of a nerd, I enjoy that. Tech is constantly evolving six months you can't stand still you've got to keep moving as it and from a marketing point of view you've, you've always got to think outside the box because you might not be the first but you won't be the last person to push a solution out to customers whilst trying to bring your current customers along with you I think it's really important to focus on like embracing new platforms and new technologies for the from the point of yes products but also from marketing new new things so like b2c's embraced tiktok this last 12 months so if you want to do a comparison we have launched our podcast channel it's just embracing new ways on how to get our messaging out there like we've got pretty big targets that the company have set themselves and new technologies will come along and create a new path for what we're trying to achieve and how we set ourselves aside from our competitors so it's really key to embrace it but I think sometimes it's good to take a stand from where you are currently and look at what you can do to not only enhance your role because everything's a learning curve as Tori said like there's like podcasts we never did anything like that before and my colleague Ellen actually hosts that and just embracing it really Working for Bamboo in that kind of, you know, we're in an ambitious space where we have to continually improve and adapt is I don't think a previous role has ever bought me sort of such skill to reflect and to be able to sort of take a minute after, you know, you've either launched a product or you're moving on from one product to the next, or you're moving on from one service to the next. And that ability to reflect and and just have the opportunity to weigh up, okay, why did, why did this go wrong? Or why did this not work so well? Because I think there is the tendency, especially within this industry, to look at the next shiny best thing. And I think as well as being able to sort of notice, okay, that's 
that's the next best thing. We need to be open to that. We need to have a look at this and we need to see how does that fit within what we're doing at the moment, but also then understand, okay, what we have at the moment, why isn't that working? And instead of just jumping ship, you know, learning the process and also understanding what it is that our customers want. Okay. And, you know, so why did that particular software not work for you? And then it gives you the opportunity to reflect on how you're delivering that product, because it may not be the product or the service or the piece of software. It may actually be how you're working as a team and how you're working as a company. Uh, Definitely, I don't think there's been a role that has brought that to me before the opportunity just to reflect and, you know, just to give some kind of conclusion as to how can we move forward and how can we, as in that sort of adapting piece, I suppose, is what I'm um, pointing towards is, is that opportunity to do that. So, yeah, in this industry, you have to have that discussion afterwards, whereas I think maybe other industries might just sort of jump from one to the next. So, yeah, that's that's a really good learning piece that I've definitely learned from being in this role. Emily, how have you seen a change in marketing as technology has become more widely used? It's tricky because there's traditional ways of marketing, which I think there's still a place for. So so like direct mail, where someone might get a little gift pack or um, a postcard or something like that with full on branding. And that is your messaging for that particular campaign. However, there is a time and place for it. But with companies evolving and looking at sustainability, something which we are, sending out a thousand mailers isn't the best way to help the environment. And we don't know if people are going to recycle that at the end. As much as we can we can push that messaging on it, it, it's not really within our ethos. I think the important thing for people to look at through different technologies is trends. So marketing trends, so they change all the time. But the ones for this year, are, they're going to sound very obvious, but um, they're very digitally based. So podcasts, look how many popped up over the pandemic. It's a great platform for people to get their messaging out, get other people involved. You can get your customers involved. You can get industry experts involved. And I think it's a really great way to get your messaging out there without being too salesy. And I think that's where marketing can fall sometimes it's being too on the salesy side seo so that's like your rankings on google so it's to do with your website to do with blogs anything that basically your digital footprint if you can get that as high as possible on google then you're going to be the forefront of where you want to be for like someone just searching for you. Technology is tricky because there's different ways you can look at it you can either look at it from a scheduling point of view so like technology that aids your day-to-day working so yeah you can schedule social posts anything website posts but I think it's how you embrace all forms so whether it's just picking up the phone and creating relationships with so we work with external agencies to do our video content and things like that when I started we would do more direct mail campaigns than we would email campaigns and that has completely flipped in the last five five years I can't actually remember the last time we sent a direct mail campaign out at Bamboo we're quite focused on building relationship there is a time and a place for sending out big mergers to prospects to like to gain new business but I think we've built a divide and conquer approach rather than doing just an attack through email we have built up podcasts we've 
we've really focused on our social channels. It was used when I joined, but that was sort of, that became my little project initially. We built that up and especially over the last 12 months, that's been pivotal. Like people would email and say, we've seen you everywhere and yet no one has been out. So social media is going to blow up even further, which is actually incomprehensible because you can't think it can get any bigger. But yeah, I think it's completely flipped on its head over the last five years. I think it has become more difficult, I would say that, because trying to gauge how to approach people, because everyone's in the same boat, people will try through social platforms, through email campaigns. It's trying to be that little bit different, but also holding true to what you believe in. So obviously we're going down the sustainability route so it'd be wrong for us to send out a thousand mailers I think to add to that Emily I joined the company in August 2020 and we were still amongst the depths of the pandemic everyone was still working from home I was still in a job that I was working for a tech company but I was still working from home as well so I'd met some of the members of staff actually Emily as well at the City Fiber event that I mentioned that I met Lauren at and so I'd seen a few people in person and I you know I knew what the company was about but really what got me excited for joining Bamboo in in August last year I was continually on LinkedIn um, and other social platforms. And anytime I saw something about bamboo, which was a lot, it just got me more excited. And so from a non-marketing background, I have, you know, I'm not going to pretend I have any idea, you know, how all of that kind of stuff works, um, especially being a millennial as well. You know, I'm going to be focused on that social media side of things. And my impression, although I was maybe a little bit biased in that I was, you know, coming on board anyway, was that, you know, look at all these great things and, you know, look at all these great things that we're doing and then when I joined in August again we've 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 still very much been working from home our sales guys haven't been out on the road you know we haven't been able to have any in-person sort of campaigns and events and actually I personally feel working for the business that I can speak to other people outside of work and they know instantly who we are and people know of us and it's oh yeah that podcast or oh yeah you you know someone shared that really cool post about this on LinkedIn and actually I think as a marketing piece we are again unbiased but I think we're brilliant at it and so I definitely think in and when Emily was mentioning the whole kind of you know sort of five six years ago when you first joined it was we were sending out you know mail and doing direct mail it, it just seems so alien to me um, and I'm sure it probably does to you, Eliana, that like we would ever send out something that's paper, you know, that we that we would do something that's in person. And yes, we have these events that we have in person, but especially in the last year, the idea of having something that isn't media focused and social media focused just seems so alien. And and so I think that Bamboo, again, going back to that adaptive piece, have just gone, right, this is where we need to be. Definitely that sustainability piece of, you know, we're going to sort of run with that everyone has the same idea. Everyone knows that that's where they need to be. So what Bamboo have done to be different is I see is that kind of interactive piece. It's, I think there are a lot of articles. There's a lot of conversations going on on LinkedIn um, and Twitter and various other places, but 
is that post that you've shared actually valuable? Is there something that links to an interesting conversation that actually links to the business that you work for? And I think especially as an, a young up and coming person within this, you know, this whole sort of social media world is you think, well, I've got to kind of be out there to be seen to be, you know, thinking about educational pieces. But I, I personally think what sets Bamboo aside and how we've adapted is we've tried to share those pieces and have those conversations that are truly relevant to the time that we're living in now, as well as what we do and what we bring. And so I think, the, you know, the, the question at the start from yourself was, how has marketing changed? Well, it's changed in that we've become so digital, but everyone's digital. So we then need to put ourselves above the rest. And how do we stand out? And I personally think that's what's so important about a marketing piece is that you you aren't just doing what everyone else is doing. You're making that thing slightly different. And that, I can't imagine how challenging that is to be within a marketing team now for a business that's challenging beyond challenging the the messaging side of it is we've done the approach of we're a tech business but we want we don't want to overload you with techie stuff which um i think absolutely is, which is key yeah, yeah i think it's quite difficult in this industry actually to not go down the route because there's so many acronyms and when you get into the very high level stuff, it's oh, it's even, appealing to that wider audience, isn't 100%. it? Hundred percent. So we, our podcast is to talk about tricky subjects, but from a non-techie point of view. So Ellen, who's a podcast host, she like me has no technical experience whatsoever. As much as I'd love to join the tech team, <laughs> um, we know what the messaging is. We know how to communicate it. We understand it through talking to the team. When we talk to experts, it's like we've got our listeners there asking the questions so that it doesn't get too complicated because no one's going to want to listen to that or understand that. So that's how that's the same approach we take across all our platforms. Will people understand it? Is it too complicated? Okay, let, let's rein it back. Try again. See if it makes sense. And I think that's a really interesting piece as well. I think, you know, um, sort of wider discussion that we're having here is women within tech and then you know that coming into an industry and I know I touched on earlier you know that sort of assumption that you need to be an expert in that specific area when you're working for a company that's within that industry from a customer point of view when you have people within a business that aren't the engineers that aren't the techs that want to have that human conversation with you and don't get me wrong our engineers and our technicians are very good with our customers at kind of you know speaking to them and if, if it's one thing that I've learned within the tech industry is that people and customers enjoy you being able to speak to them in English and I know that sounds really silly but there is such a you know, there's the acronyms and there's the this language, and it is a completely different language. And I think that is where actually, you know, within any industry and any, any speciality, you need to have those people, you know, whether it's women in tech, any person to be able to come into a business and be able to speak to the customers on a human level and not speak to them in that specific niche language. That is so key to any business. Um, and that is where those other roles within any business are fulfilled. So it's being able to reach out to that customer and say, okay, look, we're the experts or actually not myself, the engineers, but let me listen to your problem. Let me find a solution and 
oh, actually, I won't find the solution. You tell me what your troubles are. You tell me what your problem is, what we need to resolve for you. I will go and speak to our experts because that's what we do. And I will come back to you and explain to you, this is the solution. This is what we're bringing. But it's speaking in English as opposed to in tech language. And that is so key especially from a sort of frontline, first line sort of, you know, support when we're, when we have our sort of customer service team. And again, within any industry, it's bringing that togetherness of, okay, I'm a human, you're a human. And I think that gets really lost in the tech world of people are quite scared off. And it's actually, no, let's just have a conversation about the problems and how we can solve the problems. Yes, we've got this wonderful, fantastic piece of software that can do these really clever things, but actually let's leave the software to do the clever stuff and we can just have the human conversation about what what's the need um, and how can we fulfill it or what's the issue and how can we solve it you know it's, it's that wider audience that wider conversation um, that you need to be able to bring and that's where people like Emily and myself bring that customer experience in to any business but it does wouldn't have to be the tech industry it could be any you know any speciality. Tori, what does a STEM ambassador do and what improvements in involvement have you seen? I became an ambassador a couple of years ago now. So my understanding, or at least how I've taken being a STEM ambassador, is you're a volunteer working within one of the STEM industries. I sort of believe as a STEM volunteer and ambassador that it's my responsibility to be able to go along to, you know, run or go along to events for students at schools, at colleges, sort of as young as primary schools all the way up to colleges sort of 17, 18 years old and talk to them about the work opportunities and the work roles and the careers and the career ladders within the industry that I work in as well as the other industries and just educate students about those opportunities. For example, some of the events that I've been involved in, Sarancester College in Gloucestershire, they run a Big Bang event each year. Um, so it's a, it's a STEM-led event where local employers will come along and run 20 minute task or 20 minute session just to educate students on, okay, this is the kind of industry that we work in and this is the type of stuff we're involved in and just get them thinking about the opportunities that are there should they have an interest in that area. So we actually ran a digital footprint workshop. So what we got the students thinking about was, you know, what kind of digital footprint could they leave and what does their digital footprint look like at this moment in time? So the students we were working with were, as well as the college students, we had quite a few of the local schools, six forms come along. So students from age 16 to 18. And we were just talking about what does your digital footprint look like now? So, you know, what Facebook statuses have you left? What photos have you posted online? Do you have a LinkedIn profile yet? and all that sort of stuff that, and just getting them to think about if we were to go online now and try and work out who that person was by searching their name or searching things that they were involved in and what impression that would maybe leave for an employer. We had a couple of engineering firms that were there with some apparatus and sort of just getting getting students to think about that and then also having a wider conversation about what business they are and how they run and what opportunities they have. So as well as that, I like to be able to, um, I did a little bit of um, sort of mentoring with a couple of students that were coming to the either the end of their A-levels or the end of their degree and just talking to them again a little bit sort of similar to the conversation that we're having now of what 
is out there for the working world, the world that you're going to come into and the opportunities that you may have. And just having that a little bit more of a human conversation of, okay, I've been you. I know how it feels. Everyone is asking you, what do you want to do? You know, what are you going to do with your life? How, what job are you going to be involved in? What industry would, are you interested in? And so I think the key responsibility I've had within an ambassador role is just to say to those students, I've been you. I know how it feels. Clearly you have an interest in a science clearly you have an interest in some kind of technology some kind of engineering role so let's explore that and so it's not you have to be an engineer actually you're really interested in let's take Babcock big engineering firm Um, you don't just have to be an engineer to join that firm I actually went for uh, when I was about to leave university I actually went for a a human factors uh, graduate scheme with them so actually it was a human factors psychology with in business role, but it was for an engineering firm. So when I was having these conversations, mentoring some of these students, they just hadn't really thought about all these other roles within an engineering firm or within a mechanical firm or whatever that may be. I saw that as a responsibility just to open up that conversation, but also just to speak to people about I'm quite open about the fact I'm uh, dyslexic. When I was doing my levels and when I was at university, I branded myself as sort of not the academic, but just talking to students about, okay, this is something that you've had to tackle, or this is something that actually you bring to the table, but something that is different. And I know that with my dyslexia, I've had to sort of work on my problem solving skills because it's something that I'm continually doing because I'm having to think about, okay, how can I write that properly? Or, you know, I've got to have that checked or do this. And just thinking about what it is that they could bring to the table as a STEM ambassador, the opportunity is to open up that view of the work industry and what people can, what opportunities there are within those industries for students and for up and coming young people. I think you'll agree with me that it's important to get involved with external organisations or things like that if you're looking to progress your role or just widen your knowledge. I think it's great. Like Both Tori and I work with external organisations, not necessarily linked to tech at all, some of them. I think just it's probably from a selfish point of view a little bit as well, just to to build up your own confidence and to, you can take skills from that you learn from those experiences and apply them to your work. So I think mm. I think that's really important. It, you don't have to go on to be the head of a charity, but it's like if you want to work with a charity that has a focus area that you're passionate about, I think applying work experience weeks like like you're doing, I think to your working life, I think I don't think there's a negative really. I think no, it's always going to be positive. Yeah, absolutely. Should people fear the future technological advancements? Do you know? I think. Fear is about perception, isn't it? So it's how you perceive a a situation and and whether you choose to fear it or whether you choose to take it head on, adapt to it, learn. Um, And I definitely think in this day and age, we have multiple generations, generations that have not been brought up with technology. So my grandparents' generation, they're in their 80s, 90s now. Um, It was new to them in their sort of maybe mid to later life. And then my parents' generation have been in, introduced to technology, but not at a uh, young age. 
our generation in that we've been, you know, we've been brought up with technology. It's been something that's almost from a psychological point of view, it's it's innate in us. We we know what we're doing. It's something that's part of our day-to-day life. And so I can understand, and the reason I mention generations is that I can understand that earlier generations are going to be fearful. Um, but maybe that's just from an education piece and that they're not quite sure. They don't feel in control. And I think that's very understandable. But then also, I think I'd be lying if I said that maybe not the advancements, but the advancements in the sort of cyber and security sort of side. Yeah, you you definitely need to be switched on. Otherwise, you do open yourself up to a lot of vulnerabilities. There's a responsibility for companies like ourselves as well as other tech companies and why the wider audience of the the, the tech um, and digital industry to create that educational piece and to continually work and adapt and improve the solutions that we do have so that then those advancements become exciting and they become something that people want to interact with and work with and cooperate with as opposed to it being this sort of big fearful beast that people have no idea about because the main point of fear is that people don't feel that they are either they either understand or are in control Um, and I think it's important to note from a digital point of view are you really ever in control and that's probably a very big educational piece in that you just need to be very very clear and very uh, concise and considered with what you're putting out there and how you're working with things and how you submit data however I think as a responsibility of maybe a younger current generation to create that educational piece as well as create that excitement around the advancements because the stuff that's coming up these days you know it just even boggles my mind just think wow that's something we can do how can we create an excitement and energy of the next up and coming thing the advancements in technology and create that feeling as opposed to a a fear definitely i completely agree with you communication is key i think fear as Tori said, is inevitable. If you can set that aside, but remain cautious, the digital side of it can be a very scary place. With the advancements that take place, I think communication absolutely is imperative. You can build that excitement as long as people know what they're getting excited for. And not only that, it will create new roles. It won't just be the the roles that we can't even think of now. You can't even begin to imagine what it will be because we don't know what the technology will be but I think look at the industry and the different roles that are within it that you think are within it and then you look a bit further at what you can actually do within it you can do anything within an industry you've just got to it's just a bit more focused yeah all those new roles that are going to come out of nowhere so yes some jobs might go but there'll be new education new technology to move you along to a new role so there's this other piece in that the advancements are then nullifying some roles or some industries and as with any kind of change um, and any kind of adaptation to what was once then and what is now um, it's easy to maybe hone in on the sort of negative or there won't be a need for this or you know that I think um, I was having a conversation with my granddad and he just said oh everything will be run by robots and I said well yeah but you still need the engineers and the technicians to fix the robots when they don't work and you still need the expertise to make sure that the robots are running in the right way um, and then from a security point of view you, you still need the masterminds and you still need as I as I touched on earlier the a business has 
a finance department. A business will always have a marketing department most of the time, and then they will have an operational. There is still always a need for humans. It's just that some roles will be replaced by pieces of software, by robots, whatever it is, these advancements. But as Emily said, as we adapt, we will then find a need for other new roles. I think I read something the other day that roles that will be available even in the next couple of years still haven't been sort of thought of discovered yet. So there are roles that will be needed in a couple of years for, you know, working within GCHQ and various other sort of uh, technology, security companies. Things are moving at such a fast pace that they still haven't been identified. Um, So again, it's that I appreciate change is a huge thing for people. People aren't normally open to change. And that is maybe where the fear piece comes in. But again, it's that I think as a a, gen, a current generation that we have at the moment and the, the current companies and um, companies within this industry, it's our responsibility to create that excitement and inform people and educate people into look at these brand new roles that are coming up. Look at this brand new advancement that's going to be really exciting and it's going to you know make this process more efficient or it's you know we're going to be able to do this and we're going to how quickly we can do that Um, and I think one of the other things that maybe comes with the fear of the advancements is the speed you know in the digital world things happen within an instant and I think that can then create fear of you know things change so quickly or you can do this by the click of a button and so again it's just about that education piece of how can we you know, now that we have that knowledge and that understanding, how can then we, you know, educate people? Um, and there is that real responsibility to create that um, understanding and communicate that so that people are then enthused by the advancements as opposed to in fear of it. Thank you, Emily and Tori, for sharing your experiences. Thank you very much for listening. Tune in soon for another story. For more details, go to techrolemodels.com.